Hello and welcome to Knitcast with me, Marie Urshad. My special guest for this edition is designer Lucinda Guy, whose new book is called Northern Knits, inspired by the knitting traditions of Iceland, Scandinavia and the Shetland Isles. Thank you very much, Lucinda, for uh, agreeing to be interviewed. Tell me more about the book. That's quite a history of knitting there to be starting off with. Yeah, I suppose it is really. It's um, Well, the, the idea behind the book is I've always been interested in Scandinavian knitwear. That's one of the first things when I first started knitting. I just, that was my main inspiration, the traditional Norwegian ski wear, you know, lovely Icelandic jumpers and the gorgeous vintage, old and traditional uh, Swedish knitwear as well. And it's just a book that I've always wanted to do and uh, had never had the opportunity to do so quite so comprehensively. So, yeah, I did it. I enjoyed every minute, really. What is it about those designs that really appeal to you, as you say, and have done for such a long time? I've always really liked folk art. And it's the just the fact that very, very simple designs, you know, sort of um, little geometric people designs are so simplified and they're very specific to knitting. It's just the different colours and it's the heritage really, just that they've always been there. There's so many gorgeous old pieces around in museums. I've just always grown up with them and always been inspired by them. I must say that something I was struck by the the photo that you sent me mm. of, of yourself, which people will be able to see if they go to knitcast.com and read the show notes got this fantastic top on and there's all of this book art in the background mm. is, is that your home yes it is yeah that's that's my uh that's my studio yeah well my workroom but yeah. I work from home and um yeah I've got loads of stuff in it I always collect knickknacks old bits and pieces and a lot of it is folk art or sort of it's not necessarily very old folk art it might just be things from the 50s or 60s 70s that kind of thing but yeah I've got a lot of stuff even more in the attic not all of it's on show well, I'm a bit of a hoarder, so I can never never complain about yeah. somebody else having a lot of stuff. If you could, I suppose, just talk us through some of the designs. It's quite a mix, obviously, of garments and accessories. Basically, uh, a lot of traditional knitting, especially in sort of colder northern climates, uh, was done in the round, just so that um, it would be seamless, colours and yarn were carried, so making sort of double-thick fabrics. So that's... Um, you know, quite a few of the garments are knitted in the round and it's just something I prefer to sort of flat piece knitting where you sew up seams and everything. It just avoids sort of, you know, horrible seams and having to um, do boring things like sew up garments. Yeah, I, I completely understand the thing about knitting things in the round. There's a fair number of knitters that sometimes the sort of sewing um, tends to put you off for a bit. So knitting something in the round could also seem really practical as well. Oh, yeah, it is. It, and in many ways, it's much easier because you can try things on. You know, you can be halfway through a jumper. You know, you're just knitting up the body of the jumper and you can just check whether it's the right length for you, whether it's wide enough, if you can actually get into it. You know, it can stay on the needles and, uh, you know, you can do your arms. You can you can get the sleeves just the length you want them. Yeah, it's a great way of knitting. So I, I enjoy doing that aspect and sort of... Um, future um, designs that I'll do, I'll probably nearly always use um, in the round as a, as a method. One of the first things that really struck me about your book is the cover design, which is just beautiful. To me, it's kind of like the combination of the lace design 
within the pullover itself and also it's it seems to be made of seems to be quite a drapey fabric and just the gorgeous sort of tonal shading as well mm. and this is the pier lace weight pullover if you could uh, tell us perhaps a bit more about that one yeah well th- what makes that design work is the fact that it's uh, it's a very fine lace weight it's not hugely fine it's not like a cobweb but it's a it's a two-ply lace weight and it's a swedish yarn uh, which is a really beautiful um, yarn in itself. But the way it's been dyed, which is fairly common in Scandinavia, especially now, they sort of um, grade eight shades. Um, it knits up absolutely fantastically. So it's an incredibly simple jumper. It's just got the one lace pattern, which is not the hardest lace pattern. But as you say, it's just the fact that it's, um, it looks more complex because the uh, colour grade eights, but it's a beautiful yarn. Yeah, just a, that combination and, and a classic simple shape. It should, you know, it's just easy to wear as well. Yeah, it just slips on. <laughs> now, I was noted, as you said there, about it being a lace weight yarn. Mm. Uh, it doesn't take many skeins, I suppose, because there's a lot of yardage per ball. Oh, yes, yeah, 600 metres yeah, yeah. per ball. Because they come in hanks. They come yes. in these amazing hanks that you have to sort of wind yourself into balls. So, yeah, a lot of... Uh, a lot of wool in there. I don't mind winding hanks or skeins really into balls. I mean, it kind of depends. Sometimes it depends how much of a rush you are <laughs> to start a project. Mm. But it's kind of, I suppose it's another process that we have in knitting, which are sometimes quite nice. Yeah, it kind of lets you think about what, you know, it gives you a chance to, to sort of stand there and think about mm. it. But what's good with... Um, this uh, variegated yarn is that as you're winding it into a skein, you can kind of see where the changes of yarn happen. So if you want to be incredibly clever, you can sort of match balls of yarn to each other so that you know that when one, you know, is going to be dark, the other will be light in certain places. For this particular jumper, it's quite an advantage that you can see how the uh, colours coming out as you wind it up into a ball. I mean, obviously, I'm noticing that it's three millimetre needles. Mm. How, how long do you think that might take the average knitter? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, the average knitter. I never really know what the average knitter is, actually. Well, that's true. I mean, <laughs> n- none of us are average, really. No. <laughs> I know. It's like some people, to be honest, it's pretty straightforward. I know some people that can do it very quickly. I'm not actually a, a hugely fast knitter. So if I kind of worked at it, I don't know. I imagine a couple of weeks, you know, if you were sort of working away. But I know other people that could just do it really simply. I think it depends how you get on with lace patterns. I I always have to have pen and paper or pencil and paper. I always have to note down where I am and that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm quite slow in that sense. But some people can really pick it up and they'll whiz along. And it's just, as I say, it's in the round. It's all, once you get beyond the lace stitch, it's all knit anyway. So... It shouldn't take too long. It's beautiful yarn as well. And I suppose what might, ooh, I don't know, hopefully it won't uh, put people off, but you need to wash it uh, as soon as you finish knitting it uh, and you've sewn it all up. You wash it so it felts up. So that takes a little up. bit of extra time, but it's well worth it because it, uh, it makes a beautiful finish. Yeah. If you're using really good quality uh, wool that hasn't been over-treated like this particular yarn is, um, you always wash it, or you always wash woolen garments afterwards. Oh, yes, and often... you, you always block it. Um, it was just the, I suppose it's the felting that I was slightly taken aback yeah. by. Yeah, 
No, no, this company encourages you. Um, it, the companies, uh, the Swedish company, they say you must wash it in fairly warm and, and not sort of tepid, not cool. It is definitely warm, uh, verging on sort of, you know, quite, you know, almost bath temperature. You wash it in soapy, warm water, yeah. give it a good old wash, yes. and it literally, it, it fluffs up. It, it doesn't exactly felt. You're, you're not going to ruin your mm. knitting. As you can see, you know, you can see all the, the detail. It just... It just uh, sort of melds it all together and makes a fantastic finish. And it, it, it is quite, gives it a very distinctive look. It's so different to an over-commercial yarn that's been sort of, you know, sort of highly processed and won't move an inch, you know, if you wash it. In fact, sometimes they tend to be not so exciting once you've washed it. You're always sort of a bit tentative about washing um, some garments that you've spent so much precious time making. But this actually benefits which is a bit weird, but you, you do get used to it. And it's almost the most exciting part, I think so, anyway. Oh, well, that, that actually sounds quite interesting. I'm quite tempted to do that now, just to yeah. see what it's like. Um, yeah. I was also looking at the, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, the holder striped pullover, which I think is the first pattern you see when you oh, actually right, open. Oh, right, the Icelandic one. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. And that, again, seems to use a variegated yarn as well, but obviously a, but an Icelandic yarn. Uh, it's not variegated, actually. Yeah. Um, oh. No. Yeah, it certainly looks it. Um, no, it's just the way uh, that particular yarn, they have a fantastic array of different colours and uh, very sort of tonal ones. So on this occasion, I've used, I can't remember how many different colours there are, but I think there's about six different shades merging from black to cream. And so you are constantly using... Uh, different shades to give that sort of variegated look. Yes, and I love the fact that it's inspired by the uh, often intense and violent natural colours found in the Icelandic landscape. Which everyone now is very well. well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, my, my aunt was stuck in China for nearly a week oh, when the flights are suspended. She's, she's back now and fine. But yes, mm -hmm. certainly uh, everyone's knowledge of Iceland has changed <laughs> differently. I know. And all those fantastic yes. images of the uh, volcano itself. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And how many of the designs have been actually influenced, I suppose, by perhaps some of the, the landscapes uh, in, say, Scandinavia, Iceland? Well, I suppose, uh, well, the Icelandic ones, mm. um, I was actually lucky enough. I went to Iceland. It was a long very long time ago now, about 20 years ago. Um, but it was one of the first times that I'd actually... Um, you know, I'd gone off in visiting places and I remember just being so in, impressed by the gorgeous colours. There were lots, Iceland um, sometimes can look pretty sort of barren in a way. It has volcanic beaches, so the beaches are very black, but suddenly you'll get a, intense patches of colour that be sort of lichens and uh, or bright pink little flowers. The Lilja texture jacket, the orange one, the sort of um, cardigan jacket, that was definitely inspired by all the amazing uh, lichens that I remember seeing. Yeah, just sort of grasses and a lot of uh, driftwood and just sort of quite dry things in a way. Yes. But uh, I did go in summer, so maybe that had something to do with it. But, um, yeah, I think really and truly, I think the Icelandic ones are more inspired um, by the memories of the uh, landscape. The others more by the Norwegian designs. I've got an awful lot of... Um, fantastic gorgeous old uh, Norwegian jumpers 
that I've sort of managed to find, you know, sort of whether in charity shops or in markets and things. And so they're fairly traditional, you know, not straying far from uh, the sort of original uh, ski jackets and things. The Swedish ones, very much inspired by uh, a trip to the um, Nordic Museum in um, Stockholm, which is fantastic place. Yeah, I was just struck by the, I think it's the Crowning Glory cobweb shawl. Oh, yeah. Which is just Yeah, beautiful. I know. Yeah, I really, I had a huge burning desire to use some um, cobweb yarn. I really love working with very, very fine yarn. Not normally that fine, to be honest. It was one of the first things I've uh, knitted in um, that cobweb yarn. But it's fantastic yarn because it's ridiculously thin, but it's really quite tough. So it's it's easier to work with than you might imagine. But I have to admit, I I didn't knit that. And it uh, the actual scarf itself is over six foot long but it's beautifully knitted and um i i did actually block it and everything and that was fantastic to have an opportunity to block that and and pin it out that was good fun yes i should say since i've jumped around a bit really that that's actually um Mm. in the sort of uh, shetland isles section but it means just fabulous with these uh, crowns in it yeah yeah i had a i've got a thing about crowns don't know why but um i i've got quite a few images of lovely old sort of um statues of ancient old kings and queens and i don't know i just like their crowns and obviously that's a very traditional um shetland lace stitch and i thought it had a fantastic name anyway crowning glory and i thought oh yes i want to use that so in actual fact it's not a complex shetland shawl at all there's so many more designs where they're sort of all shaped within themselves and they make amazing squares so actually perhaps it's a bit of a cheat but it's a it's a reasonably easy Shetland shawl knit because it's just sort of backwards and forwards kind of thing as opposed to an awful lot of shaping. Whenever I think of crowns I immediately think of Vivian Westwood because I think she uses it when it's her logo. Yeah she does actually yeah which is not dissimilar to the Harris Tweed kind of globe Mm. with a sort of Crossy yes. kind of crying on it. Yeah, yeah. I like Vivian Westwood stuff, by the way. <laughs> I know she's. <laughs> she great. did some. Yeah, she did some absolutely fantastic knits. Uh, amazing socks and very textured socks. I just never so seen she, those. Uh, yeah, I can't remember when she did it. Mm, I think it may have been early nineties, yeah. as opposed to the eighties yeah. or something. But yeah, that that particular collection, she did um, fantastic. They're all hand knits, and they were sort of leaves embossed leaves jumpers with leaves and amazing things but she also did fantastic long socks can't remember when it was i'm pretty sure it's the 90s probably would have teamed them with one of those pairs of incredibly heeled shoes yeah she did (laughs) an amazing model so yeah but not not exactly i think if the average person wore a pair of hand-knitted embossed socks it might not have the same no but i'm sure they'd certainly cause a a stir in their own area wouldn't Mm, they yeah but, I mean, it's it's always looking at the book that you've got a love of, of colour work, you know, wherever it appears, mm. um, I suppose, a- around the world. Ob- obviously, these areas have colour in common, but do they ever use it, the same sort of techniques or uses of colour? Or Yeah, pretty much so. Knitting in the round and using colour, you use the ferrile technique, and obviously ferrile is the Shetland technique. Yeah, so the method of actually knitting in the round and using colour is the same 
for um, you know across Scandinavia. Obviously, the Icelandic sweaters tend to be just in a few colours, tonal shades, often uh, just natural shades. Whereas uh, the Norwegian jumpers can become much more complex use of colours. But often, really and truly, it's only the Shetland Islands that use a huge amount of colour to make their very distinctive patterns. Often, usually, uh, other countries they sort of restrict themselves to just a few colours, and obviously, you can only use two colours at one time as you're knitting one round. Yes, it, it's just one of those things that's always intrigued me about the fact that around the world, people were creating knitting, you know, pretty much at the same time, but using mm. different techniques. Things like, you know, obviously knitting in a different way yeah. in the East and a different way in the West. So it's just interesting then to think, were the different te- ways of using colour developing at around about the same time? Yeah, I suppose so. I think it depends really it's all it was all um a lot of the influences from what i understand anyways from uh ports usually it's what connection each country had with the rest of the world whether they were getting influences from the far east or or spain or whatever things were often picked up by chance maybe a piece of ceramic was left and people copied it and or embroidered purses or you know pieces of embroidery were sort of bartered I don't know so things exotic things would have influenced local people's designs I suppose and then they just sort of um, became part of the the folk art there is a fair bit of of history in the Mm. book as well as in the the history of knitting in these particular areas did you have to do a great deal of research for the book or were these things that you'd learned anyway along life's journey as it is life's journey yes Um, yes, some of it did do a lot of research but I quite enjoyed it actually I've got loads of books I've got so many books that I had access to anyway yeah I did do quite a bit of research it I'm not entirely sure that um, I was meant to write anything quite like that but it's just the way it came out once I started I couldn't stop it was quite it was edited as well I'm sure I wrote a lot more a lot of waffling on but uh but I quite enjoyed it actually I've always quite liked that in books that I've picked up. I like to see a bit of history. It would have been nicer to have had a lot more photos, but then it's a it's a pattern book and not a history book, so that's the difference. That's right. I mean, it's it's difficult trying to mend the two, really. Sometimes, mm. I mean, there are you know quite a lot of photographs. I know sometimes that's a criticism of um, some knitting books by knitters if they feel there aren't enough images of the mm. finished pullover, or if there's perhaps too much sort of uh, camera work that's a bit too arty, but doesn't actually just show what the garment looks like, so people can think, "Am I knitting it?" correctly is it turning out how it's supposed to be mm. but uh, these yeah. got some quite lovely images i mean you've got a ski cap in here as well with matching gloves mm. yeah <laughs> it's sort of um that's quite a wild it one. is <laughs> mm. but with a lovely star design on it as well sort of tradition yeah well i quite enjoyed knitting the gloves they weren't actually designed to go together originally although obviously once you know i suddenly thought well actually they are the team interweave teamed them together and it does make sense. Obviously, they're sort of incredibly similar. But yeah, I quite and I like the picture. I like the way they'd photograph them. One of the things I like the the leave or live pattern socks. Yeah, kind of, live. Yeah, which are kind of like a pale blue, but with these mm. really little interesting little figures who have quite bright shoes on, <laughs> dancing yes. just dancing around the middle band, and uh, yeah. some lovely uh, daisies as well. They're, they're just very traditional uh, Norwegian patterns. I didn't do anything 
clever there, particularly. It's not my original patterning. It's just very traditional um, images that have been used, little motifs that have been used for centuries. Well, not centuries, I don't know about centuries, but a very long time. Yes, but you have also, I mean, you've taken these traditional designs and you've, you know, you certainly revamped and modernised them. So people can sort of look at them with a a whole new kind of feel about them. And Mm. a lot of them seem really wearable, whereas perhaps the more traditional things might have been a bit sort of bulky because there's a lot of things like shaping on your sweaters that might not have been there before. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, I, I imagine that a lot of the jumpers, the thicker, the better, just to uh, keep all that cold out. Oh, yes. But, <laughs> yes. On the practical Quite. side, indeed. <laughs> I know, they would have just wanted a huge big jumper to get into. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they're wearable. The thing is, there are just so many interesting designs in here. It's quite difficult to tie it down because I'm already slightly distracted by Effie, the fair isle pullover. Oh. Which which really reminds me of a kind of machine knits high street bought jumper right. that I used to wear a lot years ago. In that it's it's that quintessential sort of Shetland design in a way, but also really wearable. Mm. I remember taking an awfully long time trying to design that pattern. I don't know why it did take me so long, but with the Shetland, I found some fantastic old images from the 1920s and 30s of people on walking holidays and things in the Shetland all wearing their gorgeous uh, Shetland sweaters and knitwear fantastic little hats so in the back of my mind that it was a kind of sort of 20s 30s feel that I wanted behind those garments so Effie's got the um, the little pockets although I mean I'm sure that people used pockets at other times but in sort of the 20s and 30s they were quite sort of trendy to have little little built-in pockets to your uh, into your fair isle sweater so that I put those in nice little detail I know they're sort of built into the design but um, I think when you're but yes heavily disguised pockets <laughs> and again just a lovely meld of colours I mean I really like the way that there's a blue that off- offsets the sort of uh, orangey red with a mm. real well it's it's just like a sunset i really love the colors uh that particular yarn company i've been using them for years a very long time actually uh not always for hand knits for um other work that i used to do uh, machine knits but um that those particular colors the blue is actually quite a strong uh turquoise color it's is really quite vibrant and I've used several shades of orange and several shades of red. And I think there's about 13 different colours in all that I used in that garment. Um, so they're sort of gradating colour, but all working together. They do kind of harmonise in a oh, way. They do. But I really enjoyed it. Working with those colours, just fantastic. Really nice. I was going to say that that must be just amazing. I mean, how long did it take you to design something like that with such a, a big color palette yeah it took a long time actually (laughs) i think it's because there's about 80 shades in that particular range that i could have used i knew roughly what kind of colors i wanted i knew i wanted to use oranges but once i actually sort of was working with them i said oh no maybe i could try this maybe i could try that yeah that that uh, design took me the longest i can't remember how long but i think it on and off i was probably thinking about it for a good good couple of weeks that i kind of couldn't quite make my mind up Lots and lots of knitting of little samples that I got there. <laughs> I think it's well worth the work and the wait because it's, it's just beautiful. Mm, um, 
I don't know. Other knitters may well be in my situation in that I love the look of colour work, but I also feel immensely intimidated by it as well. And particularly when you said 13 shades, I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, you see, mm. you have to have 13 balls around you. Mm. And I was imagining plastic bags and things. And, and obviously, colour work is beautiful. I mean, I know you can cheat by using sort of self-colouring yarns and things like that. But mm. what would you say to somebody like me to get, get over that fear, <laughs> really? Well, basically, it's nothing to be frightened of. <laughs> I don't know if it's helpful to say that it's not actually as difficult as it looks. And Fair Isle, especially, it looks so daunting. As you say, it's got all those colours, you know, how do you start? But basically, you're just knitting with two yarns at once. And that's only in just one row. You will only ever use two colours and you just carry it. It's just a basically you you just have to practice slightly and it just comes very naturally. And if you're knitting in the round, you're never purling. You're never using the purl stitch. You're always knitting. So that helps. You don't have to worry about um, lots of different yarn ends because once you've joined a colour in, it's there, it's used every few rows, it just naturally progresses with the rest of the knitting, you just pick it up and use it. So it's not lots of different ends and that sort of thing. I think the best thing is just to try it and you'd just be surprised that it is relatively easy. What about things like the tension? When, when I have mm. tried it, I've sometimes found that it's been fairly sort of loose when I've introduced that second colour. Well, there's obviously techniques of joining in colour that I'm trying to think what I do mm. but often you can just join in the colour if it's relatively loose where you've joined it in it's something that can always be tweaked afterwards you can get a, a tapestry needle and kind of sort of sew in the ends a bit tighter or sort of tweak that stitch again it's just a matter of practice I know that's probably deeply unhelpful <laughs> but it's one of those things no it, it's I fine don't know. It's, it's a bit like I remember for a, a long time I wanted to knit socks and that, again, mm. that was a bit intimidating. But once I, I mean, now I've knit, gosh, countless pairs of socks. Mm. And again, that's something that you just keep trying and eventually it sort of settles down or certainly eventually you get used to it, really. You get the knack. Yeah, that's right. And it's just one of those things that the best thing is to find some really good reference. There's so many things now that um, you can actually see people knitting. There's all sorts of demonstrations and uh, just persevere with it. And it's like anything, you've got to find the tension that you're happy with. People will always knit tighter or looser. So they've just got to be prepared to work with that. And and, and also, it's not to expect to pick it up immediately. You've got to sort of persevere and practice a bit. You're not going to pick it up immediately. But as you say with socks, you know, yourself, that after a while, it just suddenly clicks and you're off. Mm. And also, in the round knitting with colour, it makes a gorgeous fabric. It, it's it's just lovely a double thickness fabric now i want to move on to your other work really you're particularly well known for your designs for children i've done two knitwear collections and one crochet collection and uh, i've also done two uh, learn two books learn to knit and learn to crochet so i've actually done five only the only two of them are actual knit collections the sort of tutorial books so that those are aimed at children learning mm yeah, although I think they're very helpful to adults as well. <laughs> they're very easy to understand, and I've known quite a few people that have bought them for themselves. Perhaps saying they're buying them for their children, but I know that they've used them themselves. I think, I think it's always whatever works. You know, it doesn't matter who, who mm. it's aimed at. 
if, if it works for you, exactly. you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Just just go for it. Various sort of comments I've heard about your collections and it have been uh, sort of very colourful, simple and yet very sophisticated as well. I do mm. always get distracted by things like there's a, an adorable mouse a knitted mouse that you designed, which uh, can be knit in various ways. It's probably because I don't have children, but you know I'm quite attracted to the toys that you've designed. Just, I'm just going to sweet. Mm. Is it Cecily or Sicily skirt, which is crocheted skirt? It's a, it's a very light green, but then it's trimmed in a, a darker green, yeah. and there was this lovely sort of red detail on it as well. I mean, it it looks fairly simple, but again, just very sophisticated for children and, and really pretty as well yeah it's sweet Sicily yes I, I yeah I really enjoyed that outfit it's influenced by the sort of 20s and 30s as well mm-hmm. they did some lovely crochet from that time yeah I don't I don't know why I mean simple yeah I don't like over fussy clothes at all and I, I like detail I suppose I'm always striving to sort of to make lovely mm. details sort of but with the simplest kind yes. of stitches possible nothing too sort of um, complicated. But you mentioned the toys earlier. Yes. I have to admit the toys are almost my favourite. I really like doing those. I just thought the mouse, so I, I remember seeing the mouse on, I think it was Flickr, and people just made oh, right. him in so many different and varied ways, and he was so cute in all the pictures. Yeah, no, he's a he's an easy one. Also, you can um, use just very small amounts of yarn mm-hmm. and different yarn. You know, you can. He's actually knitted in a four ply, but do him in something thicker. You know, even a chunky, you'd get a an amazing mouse. So great, really, for any sort of little oddments that people might have. Yeah, you know, they yeah, just definitely. Be turned, in, turned into another mouse. Are there, are there any particular considerations when it comes to designing for children? The clothes. Mm, yes. Um. The main thing is that you've got to be able to put them on and off them quite easily. I I quite like little button details and, you know, I'd sort of crochet little button holes and all that sort of thing. But I suppose really and truly just nice clean lines just so they can get on and off quick enough and be comfortable. You know, the kid has to... I, I think um, my sizing tends to be reasonably generous. I've always thought there's nothing worse than ungenerously cut clothes and also they got plenty of time to grow into them and then out of them yes i know that's that's always a consideration with friends of mine who are parents the fact that if you do make something that the child be able to wear it for a certain uh, amount Mm. of time i think before the knitting patterns you had your own range of children's wear as as you're saying sort of machine knit and embroidered children's wear Mm. how did that all start when I first left college, I was doing designs really for sort of agents, uh, but they were sort of fashion swatches. You just had to knit up loads and loads of ideas just as a swatch, and that was a bit soulless, really. So I just thought opposite end of things would be good. I thought, all right, I'm going to just do children's wear just so that I could use lovely, simple colour and just do a few sort of lovely, simple motifs with just a little bit of highlighting embroidery. It was just a result of thinking, I don't want to do these fashion swatches anymore. I want to do something different. It coincided with a time when more sort of high street stores were doing children's ranges, you know, um, so it was quite a good time to start doing it. Do you have children yourself or are they just sort of nice things to design children's clothes? 
I don't have children myself, but um, I've always been attracted to children's things. Maybe I'm a big kid, but I I love toys. I like uh, illustrated children's books, and yeah, I've just always been interested in things, children's motifs, things like that. I just find them fantastic. They're, I suppose mostly it's um, children's illustration. My partner and I've got lots of children's books. I like the fact that you can just have a bit more fun, just relax, use good colour. Yes, I was going to say, it's kind of more acceptable for children to have fun. Mm. When you're an adult, you're supposed to be grown up and... Yeah, sophisticated. <laughs> yes, and not really wanting to play with toys or be attracted to brightly coloured things. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be sort of muted and grey. Mm. Not everybody wants to do that. No, I don't mind muted and grey. Mm. I tend to wear a muted grey, but, but no, yeah, you're right. It helps to have uh, to enjoy what you're doing for it to be a bit fun. Out of uh, your own work, do you have a favourite design or designs? And this could be from any of your books. Well, I suppose let's have a think. Well, there's a couple of things. I think um, from the children's books, I think one of my favourite toys is Otto Owl. Oh, I've uh, seen Otto Owl. Yeah, Otto Owl is gorgeous, and he yeah, has a lovely scarf. Yes, I think all does. owls should have a scarf. <laughs> I know. What's funny is that some designs take ages and perhaps I sort of overwork them. But Otto, just he just happened. I just knitted him and he came out and that was it. I, he just suddenly appeared. So not only was he really quick to make, he, he just worked right from the beginning. But he's just one of my favourite uh, mm. toys. And he actually works very well in, in a four-ply. If you knit him in finer yarn... He, he's just as sweet. I think from the same book, actually, I think, and so to bed, it's the the roost blanket. Uh, that's another one, just because it's just an idea that I've had for a long time. So it was just really nice to actually, you know, make it work and uh, see it as a blanket. I suppose in contrast to those in the most recent book, The Northern Knits, in the uh, Swedish section, I do some uh, socks and mittens that are using the twined knitting method. It's a really ancient, ancient old method of knitting that predates knitting as we do it now. And it's just a fantastic way of knitting. It makes a gorgeous fabric that's slightly sort of double thickness and really firm and durable and, and excellent for embroidering onto. So that's pretty exciting. I want to do a lot more with twine knitting. So I suppose ranging from ancient old knitting techniques to uh, toy owls. Yes, quite a wide yeah. spectrum. I know, nice. I know. Yeah. And yeah. um, how did you get into knitting in the first place? I always knitted. I was taught to knit by you know an auntie um, when I was about five, and uh, you know everyone, all the women in my family knitted, had knitted school jumpers, you know, all that sort of thing, and uh, so it was always everyone knitted. So I just learnt to knit and always knitted odds and ends, and. Um, I think actually it was, uh, well, when I decided to go to art college, um, although originally I thought I would like to do ceramics, I just kind of came around to, I just preferred the textiles. I, I just kind of uh, hoved over towards the textiles and knitting, really. Uh, it's just that, uh, yeah, knitting and weaving was sort of the things I was interested in. And then just gradually I just uh, specialised in knitting and hand knitting. It was hand knitting that I specialised in. What are your future plans? What, what's next after this? 
I'm working on a book that's due to come out in September, so the autumn, and that is a book of knitting motifs, and that's for uh, babies and children. So a lot of colour work there, but uh, made simple so that people can understand it. So a lot of intarsia work, a lot of designs, new designs, but also designs that I'd used for my products quite a few years ago. And just uh, designs that can be easily put onto simple garments and things. So that that's new. That's coming up. And uh, I'm also currently working on some products that I will be yeah. selling through my website. <gasps> but this is. Uh, but that's something. They are just about ready. But uh, it, they probably won't be launched on the website until a little bit later on in the summer. And that's lucindaguy.com. Yes, it is. Yeah. So that's something I want to uh, expand on. And they're toys. So uh, they oh, kind of wow. sit with... They're, those are probably yeah. going to be fantastic. <laughs> well, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they should sit well with the other toys that I've already done in the books. So that's a start. Hopefully there'll be other things coming along as well. Well, thank you very much for joining me this evening, Lucinda. It's been lovely talking to you. Well, I'm Maria Ashad, and that was Nick Cast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>